Nina Tulio is a speaker and educator who works with stylists and owners to build their business and confidence. She's also the business education and TikTok ambassador for Oligo Professional. Today, we're going to hear her story, how she got to where she did, and what it took to get there. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. My name is Robert Hughes, and I'm your host today. I'm with Nina Tulio. How are you doing today, Nina? Oh, I'm good. I'm excited. I'm ready to rock. I'm excited too. I've had quite a few people on the show that uh, listed you as the recommendation to uh, check out and follow. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show as well. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. You have a great, I mean, you have a really great lineup of people. So I am happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, well, so why don't we start off uh, by hearing your story? Like, how, how did you get into hair? When did you get into it? Uh, yeah, or at least into the industry and um, which and, and like all the way up to where you are now and what you're doing? Ooh, how much time? I mean, I've been in this business for 26 years, so <laughs> I, I will cliff notes version it for sure. But uh, I listen, I was, this is funny and people laugh at this all the time, but it was like, I wanted to be a dolphin trainer or I wanted to be a hairstylist. Okay. And then I discovered, well, my mom told me that I had, I would have to go to school college for four years and I would have to share a dorm with people. And I'd have to like share bathrooms with people. I was like, uh, no, I'm going to go be a hairdresser. Like that's not my, not my thing. So I was the first to sign up for cosmetology school. I am a, a former Votech student. So I went to Votech while I went to high school and I've just been fortunate enough to, you know, work in some really cool places and meet my mentors when I was very young. So I met them when I was 19 years old, they actually hired me into my first salon job and started out as a hairstylist, then was promoted to manager and then was promoted to district manager and managed eight salons with 55 employees. So I had eight direct reports and worked with them for about eight years. We moved to West Palm Beach, Florida, opened up then five salons in one year. So we started off like a small chain, five salons in one year. And being with them, spending time with them, and I literally learned everything about business from them. You know, spending eight years with people who, you know, one of my former mentors had over 200 salons. So I just learned everything everything I could from them. It was like my college education. And <clears throat> after the eight years and being in Florida, it was just time for me to part ways and do my own thing just because I, I was growing. You know, I, I felt like I was kind of living in a, in a shadow a little bit and wanted to do my own thing. So I moved back home to Pennsylvania where it was freezing cold and started my own salon. It was called Anthony Ashley. And I owned that commission salon for 11 years and I worked behind the chair as a stylist till I was probably year eight, eight or so. And um, then positioned to sell that business. It was a two-year process. Sold the business because this is what I really you know, had my heart set on doing. I loved owning a salon, loved my business, loved my team. Uh, but I just knew that I wanted to impact people differently. I wanted to impact stylists. I wanted to impact owners. And so I started my own consulting business back in 20, is it 2017. I sold my salon in 2016. So in 2017, started this and been doing it ever since. And, you know, it's been over six years now. It's insane how time flies. And I, you know, of course now work with Oligo is my third year in working with Oligo professional and it's been amazing. So that's the short version <laughs> of my story of being in this business for 26 years. 
Well, and so what is it about the, um, you said, I got knew I wanted to do this, what I'm doing now. Like, mm-hmm. how did you know, like what, what sparked you? Like, how did you know that you didn't, you were, you wanted to get out of doing hair and running a salon and get in to the education and consulting and stuff? Yeah. I mean, I, I always knew when I started my business that, that it wasn't going to be my lifelong journey. And because I had such, have such amazing mentors, you know, they always told me that your strength isn't behind the chair. Your strength is leading people. And so I knew that as long as I was behind the chair, I wasn't going to be able to do my own consulting and education business because I had to, and wanted to dedicate my time to my team and to growing the business. So I actually started my consulting business in 2014, but I just didn't have the time to dedicate to it because we were just a busy salon. We were a growing salon and I didn't want to shortchange my stylist. You know, they needed my support. So I just, there was just this, this fire burning inside me that really wanted to spend time with stylists and owners and really help them grow and build their business. Because back then, you know, we're going back 2000, nine, 10, you know, 12, 13, there wasn't hardly anyone talking a ton about business. And there were a lot of blind spots and a lot of owners that were really struggling. So it was just, it's always been in my heart to be able to do that. And did you work, did you take any, um, clients, uh, as a consultant, uh, while you were, you said you started it. So I'm assuming you had, co- you had clients that you were working with, even while you were running a salon. Is no, right? in terms of like taking clients as business, you know, other owners and business owners and yeah. stylists. No, I was creating the curriculum. I created okay. a workbook. I created actually a workbook for hair stylists. So for the new stylists, and then I created a workbook for owners And so it was already in the mix, you know, things were already being um, produced at that time. But in terms of taking my actual first client, I wanted to make sure that I was going to be able to dedicate the time I could hundred percent to the owners and stylists that I was working with, because again, being behind the chair and I wasn't really behind the chair so much at that time, uh, you know, 2014, 2015, I was kind of like on the tail end of, you know, being behind the chair you know, one or two days a week, but I just didn't, I couldn't dedicate the time to it. So when I say I started it, workbooks were being produced, things were being made, you know, trying to plan on how I was going to get this thing off the ground and start education. And was I going to do it in salons? Was I going to teach in hotels? Like, what was I going to do? Um, And then it just kind of morphed from there and then became something bigger, obviously, when I could dedicate a hundred percent of my time to it. Nice. So I feel like this is something that comes up a lot when I go to the schools and talk to young stylists and, or, or, or any stylist that's in a point in their career where they're thinking about maybe making a shift or a change. And, uh, and we talk a lot about like, well, what can you start working on now? And I think that, uh, it kind of speaks to, speaks to this idea of there's a lot of stylists out there and I don't know if it's like a generational shift or or if it's always been there and we just see it more because because people are talking on social media but you know a lot of stylists talk about doing other things other than doing hair and um, you uh, have any thoughts on on how to you know make that sort of transition or uh or, you know, make it a plan, you know, did you, what type of help did you have? Um, what type of like systems did you deploy or anything like that? 
So this is, it's a really big deal when you want to educate other stylists and other owners, you know, in my case on something hair related or not, you have to have the experience and the knowledge behind you. And I think you have to feel really, really good and solid about what you're sharing and educated, educating on. And I think that sometimes people think like I, I, the word coach, like it just, it's one of those overused words. And so, you know, I really don't use it a, a ton for myself, but you know, everyone can be a coach now. Right. So I feel like if you're thinking about making this a business, you really do have to think about what makes you unique. What credibility do you have? You know, why are people going to listen to you as opposed to listening to the other 300 people that are talking about the same thing that you're talking about? And it really is creating a brand for yourself and also creating systems, right? So what kind of platforms are you going to use? Are you going to be doing virtual education? What kind of platform will you use for that? Are you going to be doing insulin or are you going to be traveling? Do you want to work with a brand? You know, these are all things that you have to kind of take into consideration, but when it comes to the content itself, it has to be backed up by knowledge and experience. And I think that for me, that that's why people relate to me, especially owners, because I lived it. I was an owner for 11 years and it's really hard to have someone really empathize with you as an owner, if you weren't an owner, you know, or even if you weren't a hairstylist. And so I think create a plan and take the time to really figure out what it is that makes you special and unique and really design something that can make an impact on other people that is long-term, that isn't going to be just a quick tip or a quick solution, but how can this actually change their business? How can this change the trajectory of how they're growing their business? So that's kind of my, you know, my insight on, on that topic. You know, it's funny. Uh, I didn't expect to have this conversation, but um, what something that I'm hearing coming up a lot is a lot of questioning of people's uh, authority in offering advice mm -hmm. to other stylists. I, I mean, I don't know if, if you see it, but I'm getting a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people talking to me about that is, um, you know, how do you determine whether or not somebody, you should listen to somebody, you know, is it the amount of followers that they have? Is it because you really uh, r relate or identify with that person or their, their story or, or the reels really touch you or they really make you laugh or whatever, you know, and that all to me sounds so superficial and something that anybody who is good at marketing and creating marketing funnels and understands the latest you know, stuff that's happening. Um, you know, maybe you want to learn from them on how to be good at social media, but maybe they're not the best one to advise you on your business are you hearing anybody talk about this stuff at all? I mean, you just talked about it, but I'm just mm -hmm. wondering if that's just me or you or your personal feeling or you have anything to say on that? There's a difference between being good at marketing and being a great educator or a great mentor, right? You know, there are so many people that can create a brand and, and create, like you said, marketing funnels, but it really has, it comes down to number one, do you trust that person? Have they lived what they're teaching? Do they have the experience to back them? And do they have the credi credibility there? You know, and 
it's not even necessarily to say, well, you have to have a certain amount of years before you start, you know, but there is something to say, you know, with someone who's been, been doing it for some time and who's been in the trenches and who's been through recessions and who has lived the things that I, I talk about and share. Uh, and yes, do you have to be good at branding and marketing to be able to position yourself? Sure. But I think it's more about the content. It's more about the message. It's more about consistency in that message and not just jumping on trends and on what's popular right now and what to teach about, you know? So I think you have to really listen to your gut when you're going to hire someone in, whether it be a coach or, you know, someone that is going to help you with your business, do your research, you know, make sure that the, the credibility and the knowledge is, is being backed up there. And it isn't all just a marketing and branding scenario, uh, that, you know, someone could possibly be writing for someone. And then when you actually work with the person, you're like, oh, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be, or they really aren't giving me the information in which I thought that we were going to, you know, learn and share and talk about. So I think the other thing too, is like, we're not, we're not on the follower wagon. Like we're, we're not hiring people or bringing, you know, people into our business because they have a, a great follower count. Cause there are amazing educators, speakers, mentors that don't have a big follower count. You know, I just think it's really about doing your research and making sure that you're putting your money because that's an investment for you, that you're spending your, your time and your money with someone who really has the experience to back up what they are sharing. That's good. That's good. Uh, you said, um, I like that. I I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I, I, I feel like it's important to address some of these things because I, I I see a lot of stuff happening online and I'm like, where is where are these people? Where are people getting this stuff from? And uh, <laughs> one, you know, anyway, so um, kind of figuring out discernment between like who you want to work with, like discerning who you want to work with and uh, and doing your research. I think that's important, you know, just um, kind of getting 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 dragged into something just based on, you know, some of these super more superficial items is, is, a da is dangerous. Um, okay. So what do you think about, you mentioned the word uh, recession and uh, people who have been through a recession before. Uh, and I also didn't anticipate this coming up and, uh, but is, um, is that something that you're, you're seeing a lot in the, in the work that you do? Are you people talking about that or like, what is that scenario? What's going on there? Sure. I mean, and, and I've been talking about it, but I, I also think that, look, I, I really love to talk about being proactive in your business. Like, let's not get to the space where we're running our business from a space of fear. We, we run our businesses from a space of confidence when we are proactive, when we have an approach and systems and we have our brand dialed in and we know who we are and who we serve and what makes us special and unique, what our brand promises to our clients. That's how we make decisions, you know, based on core values. We have to have all of that in alignment first. And just because you have all that doesn't mean that you're not going to be affected by the recession, right? I lived through the recession in 2009. I was actually broke ass when I was in the recession of 2009. I had moved salons. I had to borrow $5,000 from my friend um, just to move into a new space. So I wasn't, so I wouldn't close my business. And it was scary, scary, scary times. And I feel like I try to keep my pulse on what's happening in our industry, talking to owners, talking to hairstylists and, and gathering data and facts. And 
I can say that. Are there some stylists that are being affected? Yes. Um, the majority right now are not being so affected, but they're starting to see some consumer behaviors shift a little bit, you know, spreading out appointments a little bit more, not coming in as much, but I would say the majority haven't been impacted yet. Now that's not to say that we wouldn't, we won't be impacted later on this year, but what I would love for people to do is to really dial in what I mentioned, like your brand and core values and understand who you are and who you serve and spend more time building the relationships that you have with your clients, getting to know them a little bit more and dialing in your client experience and spending time, energy, and money on that. And <clears throat> that's more of a proactive approach as opposed to, holy shit, like now we're being hit. And then we go back and, and we revert back sometimes to that emotional home. I just talked about this on my Instagram yesterday. And sometimes our emotional home is just going to discounting. Well, if I discount, they'll stay. If I start doing services cheap, cheaper, they'll, they'll come. And that doesn't always work to get people out of being in the scarcity mindset or, you know, not having people come in or losing money or, you know, your sales are sliding back because clients aren't coming in as much. So I think it's something to pay attention to. It's something to keep your pulse on, but it isn't something that you can make a decision on in a reactive way. Like we don't want to make decisions right now in a reactive manner, meaning, oh my God, people aren't coming back. My retention isn't there. I'm not getting as many new clients. So automatically that means I need to discount my prices or cut my prices, right? We don't want to react that way. We want to think longer term and really set set a standard in our business to say, okay, this isn't working. How do I pivot and shift? How can I lean into my client experience and add value in ways that people are not willing to do? It's all about value, all about client experience and all about relationships. Mm, that's so good. Um, I feel like I would love to uh, dig in on some more specifics, but I think that might be uh, better for a uh, another for the next time we we get together. Yes. Um, before we uh, before we kind of wrap it up or anything here, I would I'm curious to know. Um, you know, you you said you know, I hear you saying two different things on this note. Just to you know, kind of tie it on. I hear you talking about like your state of your mind, your your mindset. Uh, uh, but you're, but, but you can also, I don't know if you said this or I, I heard you say it, uh, but if you actually said it or not, I don't know. So correct me if I'm wrong, but like you can have the mindset of lay into your business, lay into, lay, think about growth, think about your customer's experience, uh, think about maybe, you know, yeah, growing your business as opposed to thinking about how to like make it easier to, to, for people to, come in by discounting services <clears throat> would you say that with mindset you can also do things like cut costs or is that not something that you would uh you would necessarily kind of be focused on oh absolutely listen we have to you know I, I love talking about profit margin and so in in the place of making those reactionary decisions we also have to know not just one area of our business. It means that we have to understand, yes, pricing affects the business, but also the way that I'm managing my money affects 
the way that my business continues to grow. So yes, we're looking at the front end, which would be pricing, which would be retention, which would be client count, new client, overall, you know, client count, average ticket, all of those markers. But we also have to look at, am I overspending? Where can I cut? You know, are there things that I'm, that I'm spending money on that are not necessary anymore? And so we have to both look at front end and back of house to make sure that we're charging properly because your prices are a driver of your sales, right? Your profit and your schedule. Um, but also understanding that if you make a lot of money and you're not handling it properly, that's a whole other issue, right? right. So I think during these times of, of hardship and challenge, and I speak from experience with this going through the, the re recession of 2009, my first five years of business were shit show. And then I rolled into the recession and I was forced to look at my brand, my culture, my leadership, my strength, my mindset, my profitability, my finances, my pricing. I was forced to look at everything because when you're an owner, you have nowhere to hide. It's on you and you're, you're like buck stops with you and that's it. And everybody's turning and looking to you for answers. You know what I mean? So I think if you're independent or if you are an owner, commission owner or hybrid owner, you have to look at all of the things because it will allow you to make the best decisions long-term for your business, not short-term decisions. Nice. Nice. And, um, I think that that is a perfect, like point to, uh, stop and get ready for the next conversation where we dive a little bit into stuff like your numbers and budgeting and revenue and et cetera. So if you're listening to this and you like what you're hearing, definitely tune in to the next one. And before we wrap it up, I always like to end with a laugh. And uh, would, do you have a, a time during your career in this industry where you did something and it wasn't funny in the moment, but looking back on it, you can now laugh? Oh my gosh. <clears throat> I'm thinking about this and I'm like, which one do I want to share? Because there are so many of them, but oh gosh, I think the one that kind of hit me the most was when I grabbed my regular scissors, as opposed to grabbing my thinning scissors, my texturizing shears right in the front. Oh I no. was, was going to do a face frame <laughs> for my client. And I, I will never forget her. Her name was Peg. I will never forget. And she was a client of mine for a long time. And I, I was, you know, you're talking, you're chatting. They've been with you. You're comfortable. And I grab his scissors and right oh, down. My gosh. And I just, <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember, you know, like that sick feeling that you get in your stomach. You're like, holy shit. Did I just literally just do that? Thank God it wasn't in her bang area. It was more like around her cheek area. Okay. <laughs> and it just was like a, ch like a, a chunk that kind of, I was sliding it. So it wasn't like horrific. It wasn't like I was chopping into it, but still it was like a big piece that came out. And I was like, Oh my God. She's like, what, what happened? And I was like, Oh, kind of grabbed the wrong scissors. And so <laughs> she was mortified at first. I was like, listen, you and me, we're going to get through. We're going to work on this together. Okay. We're going to piece this thing back together. We're going to make it blend. We're going to make it work. And I remember just like shaking and just feeling sick to my stomach. Like, oh my God, how am I going to literally fix this? It's different when you turn someone's hair green, which I've also done a couple times because you can maneuver through that. But when you cut someone's around their face and so 
we laughed about it, you know, in our sessions to come, but at first, like her face was like, Oh shit. Like, this is like not a joke. I was like, don't worry, we'll fix it. You know, trying to be cool about it. But inside I was like, so sick to my stomach, but we got through it. We kind, you know, I had a blend that had to go shorter than what I wanted to, uh, of course around the face. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things. And I think so many people kind of go through these things where they're like, how did I do that? Why did I do that? It's one of those quick grabs. And, um, Oh, and I used to take things so like to heart. Like I was sick over that. Just like when I turned my client's hair green, I was sick, literally sick over it. But then, you know, they come back in and you laugh all over it. And now, yeah. you know, all these years later, we're like, remember when we had that session and sliced the front of my hair off. Yeah, exactly. I, you know what? I feel like uh, it's good to, good, good to laugh about this mm-hmm. stuff because it, it happens to all of us. I mean, yes. and, I mean, I have people telling me stories that, They've been in the industry for decades and just like last year they did something, you know, yeah. it's just stuff happens. So, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And, of course. Uh, and I look forward to our next conversation where we kind of dig in and talk a little bit more about the specifics of what we were just touching on uh, earlier. And, but until then, thanks again for coming on the show. Sweet. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. See ya.